Hello and welcome to The Dirt. This is the podcast that wants you to appreciate every plant, even the accidental ones. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Emily, Grow Your Own senior content creator. On today's episode, we'll be chatting about beautiful crops, the rise of wonky veg and David Jason's tomato secrets. But first, we're joined by senior horticulturist and tutor for the therapy garden, Hannah Bates. Hello, Hannah. Hello. How are Hi. You doing? You right? Good. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's nice to see a little bit of sunshine after this morning's uh, grey and misery weather. So yeah, it's a bad start. <laughs> yeah. Bad start, but yeah, we've managed to get out in the garden today. So. Oh, that's good. So, Hannah, could you tell us a little bit about your your background and and also about the therapy garden as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I work at the therapy garden in it's a small educational and horticultural charity in normandy in surrey um we've been going for about 25 years and we practice social and therapeutic horticulture um in order to make a, a sort of positive impact on the lives of vulnerable young people and adults um i've been there for about three years now i think um and I volunteered there for a year before that as well to learn all about social and therapeutic horticulture because it's um, it's quite a niche career, mm. I suppose. Um, so before that, I mean, I, when I was um, in my 20s, I wanted to be an actress. <sighs> and uh, I I got to sort of my late, later 20s, realised that that wasn't really happening and thought there must be something else out there that was going to make me happy. Um, so then I, I went and got a, a job um a dear friend of mine was a support worker for um uh people in london at risk of homelessness so i um was so inspired by all the stories she brought home that i went and um got myself an entry-level job doing that so that was my sort of first foray into working with um people with vulnerabilities um and they did a um opportunities program so they did lots of group work doing things like crafting and gardening and um, it was really nice to help people holistically um, and um, yeah to learn about what makes people tick and help boost their self-esteem um, and then I, I uh, went traveling and fell in love with being outdoors um, when uh, I was going around Australia in a camper van oh wow um, and that was how I got into gardening, really, um, just going around Australia and ticking off all of the wildflowers that I was finding, <laughs> and all the birds and everything. Um, and then on return um, to the UK, I, I found out about the therapy garden. So um, I was then a bit like a, a woman possessed. I started growing vegetables and um, took myself up to Maris Wood and did my RHS level two there just to give me a bit of confidence because I was really new to gardening at that point. Um, and then uh, I volunteered one day a week at, at the therapy garden and learned all about social and therapeutic horticulture. So everything all kind of came together, even the acting. I need to, <laughs> you need to be an actress sometimes in, in that role. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah um, so it's, it's a really cool place to work. Should I tell you a bit about the Yeah, the yeah, please yeah. do. Um, so we have... Um, we're about one and a half, two acres. There's much debate about the size of the garden. <laughs> um, it's a triangular plot, so in, um, it's, a, it's about an acre and a half. And uh, the garden sort of split into different sections. So we have, um, we try to sort of cater to everybody's 
tastes, um, needs, wishes. So we've got um, a big area of the garden is for veggie growing. Um, we've got raised beds um, to make gardening a bit more accessible for people who need to sit or um, or stand and perch or wheelchair users. Um, and we've got uh, a cut flower bed and we've got lots of areas in the garden dedicated to wildlife. Um, and um, then there's also other areas where people can have a practice with mowing and strimming and things like that. Um, so oh, yeah, it's, that sounds um, amazing. It, it sounds it like is, you've really, really got really something nice. for everybody there as well. Yeah, yeah. And we, we have so many different clients come to see us throughout the week we, ha we help um around about 40 people at the moment a week um and we also do um so people will come you know you'd come say every monday um or every thursday or whatever it might be um and then throughout the day um people choose exactly what they want to do as long mm. as there's some sort of nature focus or gardening focus um so in the morning um, you might come in and do a bit of seed sowing and propagation. Uh, then after break time, you might do a bit of mowing or strimming or something. And then in the afternoon, you might do a bit of um, crafting. So pressing flowers or um, filling in our nature journal or going on a bug hunt. So, yeah, loads, loads of different things going on. And it's totally ta tailored to the individual. Oh, lovely. Is it more sort of um, individual classes or is it just sort of a scheduled time to let people just do exactly what they wish to do in in that period um we have we do do group work so we have um once a week we have a, a group called gardening for well-being so that's people who um it's a sort of social prescribing group so for people it's it's focused on people who might be struggling with their mental health or um with isolation loneliness that kind of thing and um, so that's all about kind of coming together and um ex experiencing or working in the garden together as a group um and then we also have uh the we've got a group called stroke of genius which is for stroke survivors they come in once every half term and we've got a um people living with dementia and their carers also come in once a half term and that's all about getting together and supporting each other um but then on the day-to-day -day is it is purely focused on people tend to we come together at the end of the day for a debrief people talk about what they really enjoyed doing um and then we talk about the future and what they might want to do the next week or the week after and that um, so we we plan our sessions around around the individual really yeah. It sounds like an amazing environment. It is. It's really, really special. Yeah. As soon as you walk in the gate, you just feel it. You, you can feel your shoulders dropping. Um, it's so peaceful. You can just hear the birds calling, the grasses rustling and uh, everywhere there's something to look at, something bonkers mm. that, that some <laughs> clients created or, um, yeah, we're, we're really influenced. What the garden looks like is completely influenced by um our our clients and volunteers really so do people sort of get referred to you or how how does it work yeah um mostly people get referred to us via um, nhs link workers or social services or through schools but you can self-refer as well so yeah um, and we, i know obviously um you can't speak on behalf of the the other people that use the garden but 
do you have a garden job personally for you that um that you find is really great for just letting go of the stresses of the day is there anything that you think if you really need to unwind yourself is what would you tend to lean towards I guess it depends on I really I love being in the polytunnel I think and that's a very popular one people (laughs) just love being in the polytunnel and not out in um, the rain either. <laughs> no, no, exactly. There's something about that feeling of being kind of cocooned in in the polytunnel and smelling all the smells and um yeah, I could probably I could prick out until the cows came home, I think. And I I also really like weeding. It's it's just like <laughs> I, I tell everyone it's like colouring in in reverse. It's just yeah, um, That's a great yeah. way of describing it actually. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I do like a bit of weeding sometimes. Yeah, it's not it's a it's very divisive, isn't it? Weeding. It, it certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So looking at the therapy garden, I mean, obviously, if you want to look at um, your sort of time in gardening before that as well, what would you say are the real sort of success stories that you've accomplished in that time? Um, I think well for the for the garden, the success story has to be the the people it sounds really cheesy but we as a charity we wouldn't have been going for 25 years if it weren't for all of these amazing people that have influenced us and um and given so much over the years I and mean, we would be nothing without our volunteers they they give so much they give up a day a week and they don't only just give up a day a week um and their time ta- you know their time their energy but they also then take all of our gluts home and try and flog them to their unsuspecting <laughs> neighbours, um, and they'll take our gluts again and uh, turn them into jams and chutneys, and uh, for us to be able to sell and raise funds. And um, so there's such a community, such a community feel. It's um, yeah, everybody makes their everybody makes their mark on on the garden, and um, everybody is sort of inspired by each other really so I think that's a, a, a huge success and I think we used we used to worry that the garden wasn't maybe beautiful enough or um you know that the design wasn't quite there and you know it's not it's not like Wisley or but I think what someone said to me last week design is mostly about practicality and and functionality and the function of the garden is to educate and inspire um and and just to to play and Mm. I think if you I think we 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 do do that very well um I think as well the power of more of a blank canvas if everything was so beautifully neat and unlike say an RHS garden or something people might feel less inclined to really do what appeals to them and be more creative because they're worried about messing something up or ruining a pattern of something Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think definitely. as well, so much of that side of things is down to personal taste as well, isn't it? I think some people love a really manicured, beautiful in the traditional sense garden. Some people love a more whimsical, wild look. I think that it's not one size fits all. Is no, no, exactly. Yeah, and it just really takes a it takes the pressure off and just makes you enjoy it all the more. I think if you. Because gardening, although I work at the therapy garden, sometimes gardening can be quite stressful. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, um, if you think about all the jobs that you need to do, um, 
that you know and uh, it can feel overwhelming but I think if you just let let it go mm-hmm. whatever you let go something else benefits and yeah. that might be the aphids and therefore the blue tits or it, it might be the bacteria that that um, breaks down all of your plants it might be your compost heap or um but yeah if you if you let go and you know that the wildlife comes in and yeah um I actually think that's also the most positive outlook on aphids that we have ever heard. <laughs> that actually, don't worry if you've got some aphids because the blue tits will be yeah, happy. Yeah, thank you yeah. for it. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so looking at the other side of things, um, other side of the gardening successes coin, has there been anything that hasn't gone so well or have there been any failures that have um, that now you look back on them, you can laugh? <laughs> uh, um, oh I'm laughing all the time I think <laughs> I'm a bit like um I listened to your podcast the other week um, it was, it was it Kathy Slack um and she when she talked about cauliflowers and I have to echo what what she said about cauliflowers I can't do it I just can't <laughs> do it um I I love cauliflower um I how are they so cheap in the supermarket I just don't get it um but yeah, I can't. I, I can't do them. I just can't do them. And I, I, I probably haven't put enough effort in. Um, I, every year, I just sow the same variety um, at the same time. Uh, you know, just stick a row out and just see what happens. But um, I just I tend to blame the weather. Do you guys do that? Oh, just for everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so great to hide behind the weather. Oh, it's just so dry. Everything's bolted, or um, <laughs> it's just so so wet. It's all all gone mouldy. So that's my my hide behind. But yeah, there's lots of crops that I struggle with. I think um, sweet corn just can't do it. Just I just let that do its thing, and sometimes it's fine, and sometimes it's not. Um, and our oh, loofers I can't do a good loofer I really want to I really want to crack that I was thinking this week I need um like crop ambassadors in the garden I need like a I need somebody to be the spokesperson oh yeah. like a dedicated <laughs> person to yeah. look after yeah. them yeah. yeah an advocate yeah yeah that'd be good um would you obviously if people are coming to the garden who may not have much experience of being in the garden before you mentioning just there before briefly that there can be stressful elements to it and that can sometimes be when things don't turn out perhaps how you would have wanted would you say that there is an element of expectation management built into what you do as well because I know the end result isn't the whole purpose of the garden but I think when you're new to gardening you can sometimes feel like oh no if that doesn't grow that's I've done something wrong and actually no it just isn't sometimes it just doesn't (laughs) yeah yeah I think I think that's our job as as the um therapeutic horticulturists I think that isn't entirely our job to manage um how people feel as they're interacting so we're there we sort of I guess we kind of take on that that stressful that person really um and um and if things do fail um or don't go quite to plan I, I that that that's in, entirely our job to 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 sort of um manage that and make that person feel better about it um and it's usually just we talk a lot about sort of seasonality and um the sort of circular nature of of, um 
uh, of nature and um, of the seasons. And we do a lot of temporary art at the therapy garden and, and talk about those two things. We do things like mandalas. Um, and within that, we're always talking about ha um, how nothing lasts forever. And, and so if something doesn't work, we've got next year we can just have another go again and we've we've learnt from from our mistakes or um or it probably wasn't our fault anyway it was the aphids <laughs> or the weather <laughs> yeah or the weather exactly yeah <laughs> I think yeah. as well um I know we say this on the podcast all the time but the fact that there's never two years that are exactly the same as well no. there's something um it kind of feels like a bit of a fresh exploration every time doesn't it yeah yeah definitely yeah and because you can't know it all either there's always somebody there's always somebody that knows more about something than you and so every year you yeah you learn so much I think you learn more from things that don't go well anyway um so yeah just take take the pressure off and um take it all in your stride fine <laughs> In terms of the clients that you work with, do you think there's any one factor that's really like defining in terms of what gives them the most benefits? Is it being outside? Is it being part of a community? Is it harvesting vegetables that they've sown from the seed? Is there anything that stands out for you? Um, I think that's very personal. Mm. Um, because Because we work with so many different vulnerabilities, so yeah everybody's motivations for being at the garden is, is really different and so I mean again you know that's our job to kind of spot spot the strengths the weaknesses the opportunities for learning um so yeah there are I mean there are definitely things that are more popular than others but it depends on the day of the week <laughs> and the group that we've got in so on Thursdays and Fridays we have green school in and we um we do a lot of qualifications on Thursdays and Fridays, our city and guilds qualifications. And um, we have a kind of, every day of the week has got a kind of carrot that we dangle. So like, if this goes well this morning, this afternoon, you can have a go at some mowing or strimming. Or, <laughs> um, and it, you know, if, if we do this, if we work hard on this thing, then we can go out and do a bug hunt this afternoon. So oh. we have to just learn, we have to learn what, what the carrots are. Um, uh, but yeah, it is, it's really, really individual. That's fair enough. Um, also, in terms of, you say, working with lots of different people, have you found any sort of, um, in terms of actual gardening, any, any shortcuts or things that perhaps let people sort of skip to the most enjoyable parts or save you time on the plot, anything like that? Um, shortcuts? I Well, this isn't really a shortcut it's a long cut I think most of my shortcuts are long cuts <laughs> really but I do so I do things like you're going to tell me now everybody does this but I do my onions and garlic in modules um ahead of time in the polytunnel um uh so that just means that it, it gives them a head start and it means we don't lose them to birds playing football with them or <laughs> um or they don't get sort of lost in the late autumn weeds um and my other my other kind of thing I'm a big I'm a big distractor so I like growing unusual things so that people focus on those and don't focus <laughs> on the failures <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
So things like cucamelons or anything that's the wrong colour. We've got a client that comes in on a Tuesday and he um, he will only grow things if they're the wrong colour. Yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> to what you would expect in a supermarket. <laughs> yeah. So um, his bed is, you know, white aubergines, um, white strawberries, orange cauliflowers, which, of course, <laughs> didn't work. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so I, I like doing, incorporating that in the rest of the garden as, as well, just to give people, a, a, well, just make people go, oh, that's interesting or that's different. Or, yeah, yeah um, I think stuff like that can be real crowd pleasers and real conversation starters, can't exactly, it? Because I think exactly. if people have never seen a white aubergine before, then straight away you've got, you've got a conversation opener there. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah, definitely definitely something a bit different and it I think it engages people generally a bit a, a bit more um, and I'd say it possibly brings a bit more of a sense of pride you know if you've if you've been able to grow white aubergines it's slightly different to your your run-of-the-mill ones that you could get yeah. in Tesco so yeah the supermarkets are available <laughs> yeah and cucumelons as well cucumelons are um have you ever grown them before yeah yeah they're so fun to grow and they um we have um school age students that start in the September, so when they're still cropping. And if you've got especially people in sort of high school that might not have done much gardening before, um and if you want to engage a bit of a sort of disenchanted teenager in, in gardening, give them a cucumelon. Um <laughs> it's it's great. They they they're really divisive and they just look so weird and you know, most young people haven't really seen them before that come through our gates anyway and uh yeah great crowd pleaser um people either love them or hate them yeah don't know what to do with them except give, and they but it's nice they get to take them home to their friends and families they can try this and take them to their teachers and yeah. yeah I think I think that also um spreads the community aspect of gardening even further that it's not necessarily the people just the people that you're seeing while you're gardening it's then the people that you're sharing the produce with and then you know someone that you might see with the same crop that that's then a conversation starts with them and I think it it really opens up new avenues of community doesn't it yeah absolutely yeah and just being able to have time at the garden but have a different type of conversation with your teacher or your parent especially if you are reliant on your parents or carers but you come to us and you've had a a day that's just for you that's a a bit different and um and then yeah you can take home a bit of pumpkin soup that you made and um yeah it's it's brilliant it's such a special thing yeah absolutely and there's nothing more satisfying than that is that having some delicious pumpkin soup that you were a part of the growing of <laughs> and the making of. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so just as our, as our last question for you, yeah. what would you say that over your gardening career so far has been the biggest lesson that you've learned if you could take just one thing away? Um, I think, this probably isn't very profound, I'm afraid, but I th- I feel like I would say just do a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. So a little bit of a little bit of reading, a little bit of listening to to um, your friends talking about their experiences of gardening, 
and then a little bit of doing and if you're like i was saying about you know getting feeling stressed sometimes about feeling the overwhelm of everything that needs doing if you if you can just be in that moment for that little bit um then you're doing something towards learning and achieving um and you you're not you're not thinking too far ahead or worrying about what might be i suppose um i think that i force myself it gets to like a sunday night especially when the clocks change it gets to a sunday night and i think oh, i haven't done anything today I've, I've not been out and you never regret going outside do you and but you you definitely regret sometimes staying in and so it'll get sort of dusky and i'll be like I, i've got to just if i can just get out for just a little bit yeah um absolutely and then before i know it, i've got my head torch on and <laughs> you know weeding the pathways or something yeah. and it's seven o'clock yeah. but um yeah just take just take it in little bits i think that's definitely <laughs> the advice that i need because i am chronically guilty of leaving jobs until it's an overwhelming pile of gardening jobs <laughs> and then you stress about it and yeah. then feel like you've got to do it all at once so I think yeah. this is going to be what I'm taking away today as well <laughs> I think as well you end up spoiling the sort of mindfulness of gardening if you allow all of the thoughts of oh I've got this to do I've got that to do next yeah to come in and you just focus yeah. like you say one thing at a time yeah it keeps yeah. things calmer and it hopefully increases your enjoyment of the task that you're actually doing yeah yeah this summer I just um, I, I've just let my garden go I just it was so hot I was worried about using water and I just sort of thought of, as long as I keep the bird bath topped up um and I just see what happens and it was really nice a great year for moths I thought um it, in my back garden great year for stag beetles and so yeah every you know and it might if I'd have if I'd have pruned it all and got it all tidy and as it should be then you know, I might not have had that happen mm. you know so you just yeah it's it's all fine everything's fine yeah <laughs> and I think as well there is that element of um you can get really caught up in thinking oh I need to do this and I need to do this but it's also kind of important to remember that without our input nature would be doing its own thing anyway so it really yeah. doesn't actually need us to be involved <laughs> we can be as no. involved as we want to be <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly it will always be there it will be there waiting with a smile on its face yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so hannah can you tell us um where we can find out more about the therapy garden um yes yeah and i should i should say because i know our fundraisers will be shaking their fist at the <laughs> podcast radio but um uh, we are as a charity facing a little bit of um a funding shortfall at, at, at the moment um for our running costs so um if you are interested in finding out a bit more about us um and finding out about um the, the kind of funding crisis we're facing um you can have a look at our um, website and instagram so um website is www.thetherapygarden.org and our instagram handle is at the therapy garden um so we are i think we're struggling at the moment like a lot of charities with um core funding uh, particularly it's a I don't know if everyone knows about how funding works in charities, but in um, uh, in our charity, we have two sort of two types of funding. One is uh, core funding for things like salaries and insurance bills and compost and that kind of thing, and the other type is um, funding for projects. So 
you need £2,000 to build a new shed or £10,000 for irrigation. And um, it's the, the core funding. I think a lot of small charities at, at the moment are really struggle, struggling. Um, and the future for us at the moment is very, very uncertain. Um, so if anybody is able to you know, buy us a, a coffee or pay us forward a coffee or a pint or something, then we would be so incredibly grateful. But um, yeah, do have a look and um, follow us. We open twice a year in May and um, September. So um, yeah, if you, we would love to see everybody come and visit us and see what we get up to. Yeah, fantastic. Well, like you say, we wish you the best of luck with fundraising and yeah, we, we hope you can, can, you know, have a certain future ahead of you and continue helping people in the way you have done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, and, um, and thank you for taking the time to chat to us today. It's been, it's been really great speaking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful. What an experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Emily, shall we go and hear from our sponsor? Yeah, let's go. DC Thompson Shop has a wide range of garden plants, accessories and gifts. Save up to 50% with many collections. For a garden that takes care of itself with effortless, low maintenance plants, the shop has lots of popular bulbs, bedding plants and ground cover perennials too. For real garden enthusiasts, there is a choice of more unusual varieties. However green your fingers, there is something for everyone. Visit dcthompsonshop.co.uk and place your order today. Hey! Hi, how are we doing? Hello. Excellent. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Lovely stuff. And none of us actually had to swim into work today, so that's a, <laughs> no, that's no. a bonus. Just about, although you did get stuck in about a million miles of traffic, so that's I did, nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah, needless to say, we weren't feeling too zen this morning, but there you go. <laughs> oh dear. Appreciated all the autumnal trees anyway. Yes. yes. Off yeah. the window. Yeah, you had a lot of time to do that this morning, didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sign. It certainly was. <laughs> yeah. So, Laura, what's your story for this week? Well, I saw on the Telegraph, perhaps a, I don't know, would you call this an unexpected gardener or not? David Jason. Oh. Talking about his gardening life and what he grows in his garden and all of that sort of thing. And um, he was talking about growing tomatoes. And I thought this is one of the most <laughs> relatable things I've ever read. Um, and he says he'll sneak in and check on them. And he'll start getting impatient and do a bit of coaxing. Like, what's the matter with you? Little <laughs> oh. And then he said, if there's no activity at all, he can hear himself shouting at them. Come on, you damn things. <laughs> and then when the seedlings arrive in much softer tones, he'll whisper, ah, oh, you've arrived. Oh, so wow. I suppose my question to you really is, do you talk to your plants? Do you sing to your plants? Do you interact um, with your plants? Only probably when I'm... I've sown something and I'm like, come on, come on, yeah. like, up you come, like you know. And then once they've sort of sprouted, you know, the process has begun and you know you're on the right track. But it's that moment of, oh, yeah. have I mm. have I done it right? Have I made a mistake? Have I yeah. sown some seeds that are out of date or something silly like that? Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's generally when I tend to talk to them. Mm. And I think also when you're pulling them up at the end of the year, like you're pulling up all the the what like all the the actual plants obviously not the actual vegetables but just the plants and I'm sorry so I like put, put the whole tomato plant oh, in, the, yeah. in the bin well, on the on the pile of 
other garden stuff <laughs> composting uh, yeah well that yeah there's that <laughs> Uh, if I can use the English language correctly today. That <laughs> message. pile of garden things. <laughs> I like it. But that has been around for a long time that seedlings and plants actually respond to like music or yeah. sound. Is yeah, it like classical I've heard music? That. Like, yeah. like grow words to classical music? Yeah, I think so. So there must be something in it. Yeah. Um, do you speak to your plants, Laura? I mean, not. I wouldn't say consciously. I think there'll be things like, you know, when you go out and there's a little tiny baby fruit coming out on something and you'd be like oh hi little one but but I think I mean I know we've talked about how much we talk to our pets before I think yeah there comes a point especially (laughs) when working from home that you'll just talk to anything that'll listen to you so that's true um, I think plants I mean I'm not saying plants fall under the same remit of pets obviously pets win <laughs> no, actually, I'm not saying that on the dirt. Win the gardening podcast. I mean, they tend to respond more than yeah, plants. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends. Of mine, maybe some of yeah. them don't respond more than plants. But, you know. Speaking of David Jason, though, I have years ago tried to get him on the mag. I have tried. And maybe he might be more willing to come onto the podcast. <gasps> David Jason, please come on the podcast. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? We'd if we like could to interview hear him. the different tones that you use with your plants. Yeah. <laughs> I'd also like him to do all of his voices just for me on the podcast, like the BFG and <laughs> Del Boy. Oh. And like, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, be very, very good. <laughs> well, my story for this week um, is I've noticed that James Wong has written a piece for The Guardian talking about plants that taste as good as they look, which mm. was quite intriguing. Um, and I think, you know, you can obviously make vegetable gardens beautiful, but it's probably not the key element of it for people mm. with is a is a productive element to it mm. but what fruits or vegetables would you say are the most beautiful chilies chilies yes that was the first mm. thing that sprung to my mind yeah yeah they're definitely up there aren't they yeah for some reason though i actually think fruit looks more tempting and i don't yeah, know yeah. why mm. but there's i think like it's just that like the forbidden fruit there's something yeah. about it that you just want to pluck it from the tree yeah. but whether that's a beauty thing or it's just an excitement thing i'm not do you, sure sugar do you also yeah. think sugar. That it's sugar. like there's something in that that's a real window of time as well like you know when fruit like strawberries are summer yeah yeah and like apples so autumnal and I think I don't know I mean that might not mean anything but no yeah but there is like an association with them isn't there I'd also like to do an honourable shout out to some certain herbs Mm -hmm. like I've got this tricolour or tricolour depending on how you want to say it (laughs) um sage that is just so beautiful what colours um it's like a dark green then a sort of creamy then like a <gasps> sort of pinky purpleiness oh it's, that it's sounds so nice. lovely yeah. and um i have to admit sometimes i look at it even more than i use it like it's it's really <laughs> lovely is it from italy i don't know cuz i know they you know in their cooking they're massively mm. into like the tomato mozzarella and basil because it's reflective of their of their flat i've said them in a the completely wrong order but you know what i mean mm. <laughs> <laughs> so they're really into the cooking in with their with their flag colours and I just want I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna yeah, Google some hold on as you were what are your most beautiful <laughs> I also th- I think squashes as well mm. oh gosh and pumpkins yeah. like any kind of gourd yeah um anything like that there's something so appealing about them they just look delicious and I think they come in so many different shapes sizes colours yeah. 
styles, if you will. And then, yeah, yeah. They're, de- they're definitely up there. And as mm. Laura said, so indicative of a particular season. Yeah, when you, you see, see a pumpkin, them. you think, oh, yeah. Halloween, autumn, you know. Yeah. yeah, they're very, they're iconic in, yeah. the, in the hedge patch, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I, again, speaking of variety, I mean, it, to me, even a classic tomato, the red, the mm. like they just seem to just burst out in front of you and yeah i mean yeah like the stripey i've seen some stripey ones the pear-shaped ones i mean yeah they're obviously up there as well so yeah. the real answer to the question is everything in the garden is beautiful yeah, yeah. I, I literally <laughs> think so yeah i do we've named the top four or five i'd yeah. say <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and flowers as well i mean we have to give a shout out to the oh, beautiful flowers i love yes. dahlias dahlias oh, are yeah. just I'm, I just want a whole garden full of dahlias and I will achieve that one day if <laughs> yeah. I work hard enough. Um, I also love an Alstroemeria. They yes. look like they've been painted by somebody yeah, who lovely. is far more skilled with a paintbrush than I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do love those. Um, roses, I'm a big fan of roses, yeah. mm, yeah. peonies. Hoping to have some roses at my wedding, but we'll see. Oh. <laughs> if anyone's got any tips <laughs> growing your own for roses, roses then yes please please let me what know what colour oh, are you going to go yeah. for um, I'd like white and pink oh very nice so yeah classic yeah just I don't know they're just pretty I don't know they make me feel happy inside yeah I, I love a rose and the smells as well they, I know it's we're not yeah. talking about the sense of things we're talking about the visuals but they smell oh, so nice yeah. smell yeah i yeah. have to say though smell is like the sense that is most likely to make me choose yeah. a flower or mm. a oh fruit yeah or a herb or something mm-hmm. yeah. that's true and also to be fair you, roses used in cooking i mean you know we don't really make things with rose flavors in in this country per se but i mean rose water and like you know rose rose petals can be they're edible, aren't they? Yeah. Turkish Delight, yeah, rose yeah. flavoured. Oh, I love a yeah, Turkish absolute Delight. Top tier mm. <laughs> treat. <Yeah>. So <laughs> that fits under the umbrella as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I bought, um, I think it was actually earlier, much like the beginning of this year, um, I bought a rose plant from a garden centre and it's the variety is a whiter shade of pale. Aww. and it smells so nice I literally that's I bought it purely based on the smell because <laughs> normally I go for more of a red rose but this is like a or well, as it would suggest like a it's like a white kind of white around the outside pink in the middle Aww. um it's really lovely but the smell is just nicer than most perfumes like it's <laughs> so good if I could like bottle that and wear it every day that smell yeah, I would. yeah. also now because of the name of it I feel like I'm going to have the steps song yeah. Deeper Shade of Blue stuck in my oh, head no. for the rest of... <laughs> that's not an oh no, that's excellent news. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, we could do the rose cover. <laughs> Lighter Shade of Pay. <laughs> <laughs> Sing about roses in my garden. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, so what's yeah. your story for this week, Sophie? Well, you talk about very attractive vegetables. Yes. I'm going to be talking about wonky vegetables, <laughs> which are beautiful in their own way. Uh, exactly, exactly. And the BBC have produced an article about how the droughts this summer are kind of indicating that we're going to see a lot more wonky vegetables over the over the years. Um, 
And with the dry land, you know, they're saying that uh, the crops that are going to be most affected are Brussels sprouts, potatoes, onions, carrots, apples. They're likely to be the worst affected. Oh, interesting. I, I don't not, think I've ever seen a particularly wonky Brussels sprout. Well, I thought that. I'm not sure if they're talking about the wonkiness in that particular part. I think the dry weather will affect them. But carrots, certainly. Yeah. They've got pictures here of some wonky, very wonky <laughs> carrots and potatoes. Wonky potatoes. And they are quite comical, let's be honest. They, they can be very comical. <laughs> and we've had some good pictures sent in the post. <laughs> oh, um, have you yeah. grown any particularly wonky veg? I, I, my, my carrots came out mostly straight. Yeah. But a few were a bit kinky. <laughs> a bit kinked. <laughs> I, mean, I wondered where we were going <laughs> with this conversation. Not for the first time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wrong choice of words. They, they had some kinks in them. <laughs> the preferences of my carrots. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I love it. Well, I haven't actually. The only thing I've had um, some tomatoes that have almost like looked like they're two tomatoes growing as one. Ah, it's yes. Like split almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably down to my negligence, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's the sort of only informal looking vegetables I've I've ever had. Well, I wonder if if I mean, my carrots, I say, were quite straight. Um, I wonder if it's mostly because my raised bed that I planted them in was all just new, yeah. brand new compost. Yeah. So there wasn't, there weren't any Most stones likely. to like, throw, yeah. it, throw them off, you know. Also, um, <laughs> little plug for the mag, but Mike Thurlow answered uh, RC Expert's question recently for us about, um, a reader had emailed us in and said, um, why is this carrot crop oh, split yeah. into like seven mm. different roots and I didn't realize that if the seedling is put under a lot of stress in the early stages of germination it can cause this like freak splitting wow. to occur and they're yeah. quite they're more delicate than you mm. think that they are a tiny tiny little yeah. seed yeah I mean I mean it's more more root for you your efforts i suppose yeah. if you're not too worried about what it looks like but, but then you do also know it's a stressed carrot yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think the person was trying to grow it for show veg <laughs> must have been a complete waste of time <laughs> look at but that I um, think unique carrot specimen that we yeah. should start celebrating having a show especially for the one yeah i'd, I'd be, be celebrating yeah. it i'd be interested yeah. carrot has the most legs and we can name them give them a superpower and <laughs> make them into a story yeah 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 I'd be well up for that. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> Side project. <laughs> ah, anyway, Sophie, I suppose we'd better get back to the aforementioned magazine. And yes. Emily, I believe you've got some jobs on the plot for us. Yes, I do. Hardy broad beans and robust peas can be sown outside now. If they pull through the winter weather, you'll be rewarded with a brilliant early crop. Place cloches or mini polytunnels over your rows of spinach, lettuce and chard. These will guarantee tender soft leaves which are full of flavour in the sparse months. If you're planning on storing root crops in the ground over winter and only want to lift the veg when you need them, cover your beds with a layer of straw. Keep an eye on tall brassicas such as Brussels sprouts and ensure they are firmly staked. If left to shake in the ground, sprouts can be damaged by wind rock. Have a brilliant week on the plot, and until next time, happy growing!
Thank you for listening to this series of The Dirt. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for free so you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the word to your plot neighbours. Plus, we have an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for listeners of The Dirt. All you need to do is visit growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash GYO52. That's GYO and the number 52. Or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GYO52 to receive three issues for just £5. That's a saving of a whopping 76%. Every issue of Grow Your Own is packed with gardening advice, expert tips and tricks, and jobs to tick off your list. And each magazine comes with a wonderful bonus gift, such as selections of seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And on a final exciting note, remember to get in touch if you or any of your gardening friends have some great stories of successes and fails on the plot. You could be a guest on the next series.